Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm going to reiterate what I said last time, because Hollywood just can't take a hint. Use Charles <laughs> Dance better. <laughs> or at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Hey guys, happy May the 4th. Uh, mm. you know, it's a, a special day on this podcast where we cel- uh, celebrate star, st- uh, star, star guys, star mm-hmm. guys, Trek Wars, mm-hmm. <laughs> star guys is my new, uh, early chapter book <laughs> for young readers where it's about, uh, just five like messy boys who do a bunch of space pranks, <laughs> putting like slime on Jupiter or whatever. <laughs> it's. It's Yoda, Greedo, Plek, and Marcus. <laughs> and um and there's and one of them has an older brother who's like a bully named Kit Fisto. Sure. I'm glad you didn't go for the easy joke that one of them was Jar Jar. I'm glad you took the high road mm. there. <laughs> and I respect who, that. What's who's was that? <laughs> and to be clear That sounds that sounds fun. To, was was it was that to be clear, all of these characters are human. That's just their yeah. names. Yeah, they're just it, like it takes really snotty, mucusy boys. Twenty twenty two fifty. Yes, yes. And the sequel series, when they're older and in middle school, is called Palpatines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Writing this down. We're gonna work. We're gonna workshop this. Uh, as you can tell, we're songs. talking about Godzilla versus Kong. I almost said Godzilla versus Kong, King of the Monsters, which is not accurate. But um, <laughs> well, by the end of the movie, you know, Kings of the Monsters, perhaps makes more Spoilers. sense as a subtitle than uh, Dawn of Justice That's for a version of the movie anyway. So That's true. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong directed by Adam Wingard from 2021, which feels very weird to say it has a 75 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 91 percent audience score. Those both make me happy. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I had mentioned that the screenwriter for kind of this batch of movies, like all the movies that he's touched, um, on a script level, all are like around the seventy-five or seventy-six range. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one's like neck and neck with the first Godzilla and, and Skull Island, and then it has the highest audience score. Because people like monsters punching each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good punches. <laughs> and it's also under two hours. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Very, very grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't like the movie. I'm just saying. It's nice. it's nice when people, like with Dunkirk, it's nice when people go, oh, I can make a compelling movie and I don't need three hours to do it. True. Um, yeah. Uh, we, we finally made it. We did. They punched each other good. They punched each other good. <laughs> um, Real good. We should clarify that uh, Alex and I were able to see this in theaters. Um, and we had we used to have the rule that we would only um, watch a movie in theaters and then talk about it after it came out on home release. Um, <clears throat> so for on the one hand, this did come out on home release, technically, because the HBO Max shenanigans um we we had broken that before with justice league because justice both of them yeah i guess so but but justice league (laughs) 
was only home release so i mean there's really right. like you know that's that's kind of up in the air but but yeah the it, it turns out that a global pandemic will in fact break our spirits <laughs> and make us just be like yeah whatever <laughs> we'll watch it and then talk about I, it i don't need to watch this a second time to tell you how i feel about it sure. i don't i don't this doesn't need to sit with anyone <laughs> sure <laughs> Yeah, uh, they watched it in a theater. I watched it in my bunker, mm-hmm. um, uh, all padlocked, like I was uh, looking glass or something. And uh, yeah, the Britain cave, the the Britain cave, the Brit cave, <laughs> exactly. So Britain recording right now from the Britain cave. Mm-hmm. Tell us your thoughts on Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> so uh, weirdly, I definitely liked it. But I felt a quieter enjoyment of it than I was expecting. And I think that that may just come from having watched movies like this for the past few weeks in a row. That it's not that I'm tired of it. It's just like, yeah, I've been seeing this and it does it well. And yeah, this is what I like. And here we go. We're, st- we're still doing it. It's kind of like if I had. If I hadn't seen one of these movies for a few months or something, then I think I would have really been like, yeah, this is crazy. But that I watched it, you know, not probably less than a week after watching uh, King of the Monsters. Um, but I did mm-hmm. like it. And uh, I'm going to say my best thing is, weirdly enough, it, I'm going to say Kong because I really think this movie does it, it. It's more of a King Kong movie than a Godzilla movie, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, it very clearly makes King Kong out to be the hero. And Godzilla is not the hero. Godzilla is just Godzilla. He's not a good guy or a bad guy. And I like that. I like this movie main sustains that that um, belief of the movie that Godzilla is neither good nor evil. He's there to balance. He's just he's an animal. He's just doing what he does. Um, and then it sets up a, a different antagonist. So I'm going to say my best thing is Kong because I think they do a really good job of making him really sympathetic and getting us kind of on his side. Uh, it helps when you have this this little girl who's really great. And that they really drive home that like Kong is lonely and Kong doesn't have a place where he gets to feel like he belongs. Um, And I think they just do a really nice job of making him a character that we can care about, but also giving him a nuclear powered axe Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is just really like awesome and exciting. Um, So yeah. As for a worst thing, I, I feel like I don't know if this is, is actually my worst thing, but it's the it's the thing I'm thinking of right now. To a to a lesser degree than the previous movie, I think the 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 humor in this one feels forced again. There's there's none of the jokes bothered me as much as the gonorrhea joke in sure. King of the Monsters, but a lot of, and I like Brian Tyree Henry a lot, mm-hmm. and I think he's I think he sold it really well. But there's a lot of stuff with him that's like, oh, he's just. He they're just he's just gonna keep rambling, isn't he? Yeah. They just they just wrote a lot of things for him to say, and it's it's really funny, huh? That uh, and I think again he sold it, and some of it is funny, but like the funniest joke in the movie to me had nothing to do with those characters. So, um, I don't mind that there's levity, but I just felt like some of there's a difference between tension breaking and just a weird like, oh, we're, okay, we're doing that now, and this felt a little closer to that, not as as weirdly as the previous one, but it was uh, it was still there for me. So based on that, would you say it's it sounds like it's your least favorite of this kind of cinematic universe thus far? I I mean, weirdly, maybe. But then I don't which is a week because I don't 
I, I guess it's one of those things where mathematically, yes, it probably is, but emotionally, it's not. If that makes right. any sense at all, because um, I think I think all the fights were great. <laughs> like I really enjoyed all the action. It does a lot of things really well. But I think maybe maybe a good way to put it is everything it did really well. I feel like I had seen them do just as well, maybe in some cases better, but ultimately just as well in other movies. So it was like, great job. We're 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 keeping it going. Um. It didn't feel like it had necessarily escalated anything except for Kong. Um, but I'm again, I'm saying that after watching it once, I may watch it again sometime and go, never mind, this movie's fantastic. So that's me. Cool. Uh, I can go next. Uh, my favorite thing is just going to be, visually speaking, I think it's the best looking of all of them. Uh, hmm. And in particular, I think it does a really good job of kind of fixing the mistakes of um, King of the Monsters. Specifically with regards to the visuals. I think the storytelling takes a, a bit of a, a steep dive, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, I, I like how just kind of clean and crisp the movie looks, which is mm-hmm. in sharp contrast going back to the Gareth Edwards Godzilla, where that's very gritty and, and super just big. Um, I don't know. The, the end Hong Kong fight with mm-hmm. just all the neon and everything. I, I ate that up. And even when they're going to the... I can't quite remember. They they take like the tunnel and they go into like the center of the earth Hollow and earth. it's like this. Yeah. What? Hollow earth. Hollow earth. Right. Oh yeah. Hollow earth. <laughs> They've been saying it nonstop for the past three Correct. films. <laughs> um, but yeah, all that stuff. And I was getting weird Aquaman vibes because they basically do the same thing in Aquaman when they go <laughs> and find Nicole Kidman. Um, but I liked all that stuff. I think Godzilla and Kong haven't looked better. Uh, just, all, all the special effects for everything was just really, really top notch. Um, Tyler, I know you like to talk about is occasional like summer blockbusters feel like the the state state of the CGI mm-hmm. or like here's here's the current state of modern visual effects in film. Yeah, and here's just kind of a snapshot. And I feel like this is just like a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think visually this movie kept my attention. Um. And it also continues kind of varied locations like some of the other films have done. Um, so that helped quite a bit as well. Uh, and also just putting the fights in the daylight. <laughs> yeah. Who knew what a difference that would make? For like sure. the, Especially whole that scene, final one, yeah. the whole scene on, on the aircraft carriers and the battleships yeah. where, where Kong and Godzilla fight. Like it's awesome. It's just mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, visually speaking, this is my favorite of, of all of them. And you know, it's it's got pretty good competition considering the Gareth Edwards mm-hmm. Godzilla and uh, Kong Skull Island. Um, and one thing I really do appreciate is, you know, we could talk about kind of story wise some weird choices in terms of like tone change and and design changes. Like you know, we start with like a gritty almost war drama, and then by the time we get here, it's just like they have like hovercrafts and yeah. stuff. And yeah, <laughs> um, we take it a little far. Um, but I like that each movie kind of has its own distinct feel, despite being in the same universe. And I think that helps to differentiate itself a little bit in the cinematic universe department. Because one of the criticisms, particularly with the MCU, is like all these movies design-wise feel the same in the way they're shot and the special right. effects. Like it all feels the same, which helps for consistency. But sometimes like for people that don't really care for for the, that that particular design choice, it can be a little grating. 
And this one is just kind of like, no, you can like pick and choose which one kind of fits your fancy in terms of design and, and look. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Visuals for my best thing. Uh, Tyler, were you going to say something? I was going to say, I feel like this cinematic universe has kind of superseded. There's really only two that I've gotten off the ground, which are the MCU and the DCEU. Um, right. And I, even though we've, I think, softened on the DCU a lot and like it's it's come a long way uh since it's very very rough beginnings um even if it still has a long way to go I feel like this has superseded it just by being because it, it not only is it like different from each movie or different from movie to movie I should say um and kind of giving you a little bit of a a, a different visual flair different type of story things like that um which is something that people praise the DCU for sometimes. It also has the consistency of like, okay, this, this whole world makes sense. I understand. I have yeah. a few quibbles that we'll talk about that this movie, that between this movie and King of the Monsters, I think there's some kind of contradictory elements. Um, but uh, I think it's, uh, it's done a pretty good job of being like, yeah, you know, the, these are the rules. These are where these monsters come from. This is, you know, why this all works together and, and kind of how their behavior works. Um, all of that has worked really well and I've yeah. been impressed by that. Like that's, that's good continuity. Um, that, and is the, I think the reason most other cinematic universes never get off the ground because it, you, you get two movies in if that, and then they don't feel like they're in the same universe at all. Um, yeah. and so I think this is a, this has been a surprising find and I like it. It also helps for me that they don't overcomplicate the the mythos of this yeah hollow earth it's big monsters we're gonna create a reason behind it but everybody everybody on both sides of this camera knows that here's an explanation it doesn't need to be complex right the point is they're here right somehow godzilla has returned um i think my worst thing is just gonna be the the story overall and i feel very weird kind of lobbing that as my main criticism given it's godzilla versus kong <laughs> um but going back to to what we were just talking about when you have a cinematic universe and you're trying to have these things build up to something those details start to matter a lot more and the story starts to matter a lot more otherwise what's the point of doing a cinematic universe in the first place you should have just done this as your movie and call it a day um but i i found the story in a lot of places to be just really really Generic's not the right word, but it felt very simplistic and kind of stupid in places. And then I I could tell you what was going to happen from like the first scene um, in terms of, oh, we have our, our next secret corporation or mm -hmm. whatever. That's they're building something. I didn't realize it was Mechagodzilla, but I was like, there is a Godzilla's attacking them because they're building something that they're going to use to fight him. And him and Kong are going to fight until this thing shows up and then they're going to team up. Like, I, I, I knew all the beats going into it. Um, and I found that a little frustrating. I don't really like these kind of versus movies that just turn into team ups. Um, and when they're kind of fighting under false pretenses. I mean, this is different because they're two giant monsters, which is not Batman versus Superman. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But still, I found that kind of annoying. Um I didn't really like the way that our, our kind of human protagonists were set up where, you know, you have Millie Bobby Brown and uh, Julian Dennison going along with Brian Tyree Henry to discover kind of the Mechagodzilla plot. Um, and they don't really affect the movie at all. Yeah. Um, I ended up 
I, I just on on a pure just like enjoyment level, I actually liked their plot quite a bit. Um, particularly compared to like the Alexander Skarsgård, Rebecca Hall stuff, I, I actually enjoyed the kids <laughs> trying to figure out what was going on. But the fact that at the end it's just like, oh, we poured some alcohol on a <laughs> computer and that maybe weakened Mecha Godzilla. It's not very clear. Um, that was kind of frustrating. Uh, and then on the other side, I, I liked Rebecca Hall and her relationship with, I'm not seeing the little girl's credit on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's annoying. Um, but the little girl from Skull Island, I like their connection. I almost feel like it could just be the two of them and get rid of Alexander Skarsgård altogether. Um, or instead of Alexander Skarsgård, because once again, we are building up a cinematic universe Put someone else that's been in the previous movies in his spot. Put put Joe Morton in there because mm-hmm. we set him up as he's the older version of the guy from Skull Island. Bring him in or bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson. Just some right. familiar face to help kind of tie this because I really like that we bring back Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler mm-hmm. from King of the Monsters and then we don't do that with anyone else. And it feels weird that we have kind of our big combo team-up movie and then only a couple of characters from the previous yeah. movies are still here. Yeah. Like, where's everyone else? And then like Lance Reddick's in it for a cup for like a couple of lines. And it's like, make him the main character. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> that's so weird. Like, I love Lance Reddick. Uh, real quick, the girl's name was Gia. Okay. Um, and she was played by Kaylee Hottle, uh, who is actually a deaf child. So good job, movie, for actually nice. casting a deaf person. Yeah. A deaf yeah. Person. That's awesome. Um. But yeah, I, I just found the story incredibly weak. I think the only like really cool, well, aside from the relationship between Rebecca Hall and, and the girl, um, I, I thought the the only really strong choice that the movie made on a story level was making Kong the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I think given that Godzilla has had two movies, yeah, I think that really helped to be like, okay, we know it's been... Story-wise, it's like 50 years since Skull Island, but don't worry. He's the main character. We're going to follow his story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I this, the story I found a little bit annoying, and, and honestly, it, even in the theater, and, and it was actually a pretty cool experience seeing this in the theater, I was kind of getting bored at, during a, at a certain point in, uh, in the middle of the second act. So, long-winded, but yeah. Sure. Um. I think my best thing is just how imaginative the movie is. Um, I did not expect at all that they would go to the hollow earth and have this whole thing where Kong realizes that like his ancestors have been in this constant fight with, I guess other Godzilla's or maybe just other like the, the whole thing where he goes into this giant throne room uh, and he finds the, the nuclear ax and all that, like, uh, all of that was wild and following the uh, all the underground travel really with Millie Bobby, Millie Bobby Brown's crew finding the uh, tunnel to Hong Kong um, that being on one of the crazy machines and the heaves I guess I think they were on mm-hmm. a heave I don't really know that what what's the name of the company in this again uh apex? apex apex yes apex has a lot of crazy technology that they're just kind of thrown out there um but then also i was very confused i was expecting a, a 
legit Apex Legends like video game tie in. <laughs> I was I was expecting something from that because it it made no sense to me. And I was like, are we doing like? I know we had the Palpatine recording in Fortnite. Are we doing some some weird <laughs> Alex, here? Alex, words have meaning outside of video games. Okay, <laughs> could have fooled me. We've talked it's, about it, this. <laughs> Alex, Alex makes sure that he tells everyone that the podcast comes out half a fortnight. <laughs> um. <laughs> Look, I was just getting confused because I was like, "Wait, wait, isn't Monarch a thing? Why, why are we right. cutting to yeah. another corporation or something? Sure. I don't know." But I was confused. Um, I think. Mechagodzilla looks great uh, yeah. and looks super cool and is great design. Uh, the idea of covering Skull Island in a big cage because mm-hmm. they're trying to protect King Kong from Godzilla, that's really cool. Um, I'm sure I'll think of other things as we talk, but th- there's so many things in here that I was like, oh, wow, that, you know, they really just swung for that. Uh, you know, I, I, not everything worked, but there's there's so many big ideas in this that they just were like, yeah, we're going to, that's what that's how it's going to work. I really like the fact that we've already set up that so much of the, the quote unquote alpha dynamic is important um, in the previous couple of movies for Godzilla. Uh, so that now when we're talking about Kong, it's like, okay, this makes sense. I understand why they would feel like they need to protect Kong because they're going to Kong is also an alpha and they're going to get into a big fight. if we let them free, um, if we let them fight, uh, so I thought, yeah, the movie just had a ton of stuff that I was I was not expecting. I think visually for me, it was it was a good balance between really all three of the past few. Um, I feel like it probably hewed most closely to Skull Island in terms of kind of the, the design and the look. Um, and I think that was a smart idea. Sometimes I felt like the the heaviness of the the monsters was lost a little bit. It wasn't quite as like we are on the ground watching these titans destroy mm-hmm. our planet basically with how thunderously they you know they're able to smash into things, break skyscrapers and stuff. Um but yeah, like I think all the fights are incredibly well done. They're in cool places, they're on aircraft carriers and uh in a neon city uh there, there's just so many uh, details in this that i was i mean it it really was a great movie to see as like the first movie i had seen um in theaters since the pandemic started uh yeah i i was i was delighted by that i thought it, it did a great job in that department of just going wild and, and shooting for the stars um i think my worst thing is how mechagodzilla is integrated into the story Sure. Um, so I had actually seen in the first trailer for the movie, there is a shot that is a shot from Mechagodzilla coming up over Hong Kong, like over a subway or something like that from down below. It's a really quick shot, but people immediately grab that and we're like, oh, that's totally Mechagodzilla. And this was before we were even reviewing this franchise. So I did not care about spoilers at all. I hadn't seen half the movies and I was just like, oh, you know, I I, I want to go see what people are saying about this trailer. And I saw that and I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so I knew he was going to be in the movie or I had a pretty good idea unless that was just a completely like made up shot for the trailer. Um, but I think it probably did mess up my expectations a bit because I was expecting that that was going to be like, Oh, they're somehow disguising him as Godzilla 
Mm. And that's because at the beginning of the movie, Godzilla is. um, He's got like. The. um, Momentarily distracted. I'll delete some of this. Uh, (laughs) At the beginning of the movie, he's blue and he's like glowing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I guess the idea in hindsight is just like, oh, he's 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 mad. He's, He's all mad and nuclear. Um, and <laughs> precisely correct. Uh, at the uh, or later on in the movie, you realize like, oh, he's just he's mad because they're building this thing. He's mad because Kong is around. Like he's just attacking whatever is threatening him. Um, and I thought it would be kind of a neat angle if Mechagodzilla was like, oh, they they've made another Godzilla, and they're using that Godzilla to destroy, I don't know, corporate enemies or corporate rivals or something like that. Um, Something interesting like that, as it is, the movie did end up being exactly like the big fight movies end up being the, the only movie that really hasn't done the, Oh, the, the villains or the, the heroes fight each other. And then they team at the end is civil war, which is weird because the MCU is normally (laughs) where you would think they'd play it a little more straight. Um, but yeah, the the it, you know the end is exactly what I think most people guess, which is Godzilla and King Kong fight, and they team up to fight Mechagodzilla. And I thought they could have done something more interesting with that. Um, and also, all of the Millie Bobby Brown plotline, which I think is again really there's some really neat touches in there. I love the fact that Brian Tyree Henry is like this podcast conspiracy theorist. Yeah. I think that's a fun a fun bit, and the fact that she's like seemingly the only one who cares about what he's saying and all that that's i i think that's a lot of fun and i really enjoy a lot of the scenes in that but at the end it really does just get to where oh they've been captured okay the the head of the of apex he's dead um now they've destroyed the satellite link and that made mechagodzilla stop for a second so king kong could take him out um was not entirely clear that that plot ends up being purely like exposition dump after exposition dump which is very unfortunate because how else are we going to find out like the corporate bad guys motivation and like how mechagodzilla works because on the other side like we never interact with any of that so right it just would have been nice because i got excited early on in the movie um because we had these two completely separate plot lines and I was, I was really excited to see how they kind of merged together. Um, and again, talking about things that the movie does that are just like, that's wild. I love it. Um, Godzilla blasting a hole into the hollow earth. So that then like Kong (laughs) could come up through, come down up through it. Like that's, that's crazy and fun. Um, but I was really expecting those human plots to converge better and for there to be more of a point um and i i think it would have helped if at some point they had identified a goal like they were like oh we you know we need to like it was i thought it was odd that they go into the the helmet area where um a character who we'll need to talk about because i don't really understand where he came from uh but is right. supposedly ken watanabe's relation they call him sarazawa at some point um he's piloting the mechagodzilla through Ghidorah's head um and I really thought there would be something there. I yeah. don't um, know what was going on with that. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. It was weird to have them get so deep into this and like identify so many things and like help us learn about so much of this plot and then not have them affect anything um, and not really have that be like it was just like, OK, cool. We're, we're here and we get to watch the big fight and the big Kong and Godzilla one. I don't know. It was odd. The the end after the huge battle has happened and kind of our, our various characters start to reunite and there's just like a wide shot of a bunch of them mm-hmm. and like our two dis you know disparate groups of of people just kind of stand next to each other i'm like this doesn't make any sense <laughs> and kyle chandler finding millie bobby brown in a crowd full of people is is kind of silly but you know whatever it's, it's, it's that kind of movie i don't know yeah i um i did have the thought uh when you you mentioned Kong going into the throne room with all the skulls and everything, as he's walking up to the throne, I had the thought, oh man, Jon Snow's going to kill him, isn't he? <laughs> oh, great. And then Godzilla's going to look at him and then fly and then pick up uh, King Kong and, and just fly away. No, I, I had been wondering ever since, you know, Charles Dance got, got the, the King Ghidorah head and King of the Monsters, I was like, oh, Mecha King Ghidorah. Because they got the head, they're gonna do Mecha King Ghidorah, right? This is an—I I wasn't expecting this. I, I accidentally had the Mecha Godzilla inclusion spoiled for, or I, I spoiled myself about it, um, which is uh, good in a way because if I didn't know, I think I would have like had an aneurysm <laughs> out of excitement. <laughs> um, my my one qualm is he didn't have eye lasers, but that's it. True. Um, otherwise, I thought it looked great. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I. I wasn't as bothered by the the fact that they team up because I didn't want to see either character get killed. You know, I yeah. didn't. There was a which is where I was like, I wonder if they're making us like Kong more because he's about to. Are there, is this Walking uh, Dead? Maybe. Are they making us really get invested in him so then Godzilla destroys him or he sacrifices himself or something? Yeah. Um, because I don't know if there are plans slated beyond this movie or not. Um. But I think I, I, at I, this point it's just Son of Kong, isn't that? Right. I think that's the next one. That mm-hmm. And I think that was do. part of my theory. I was like, oh, maybe he's gonna die, and yeah. then his son will pick up. But when did he have sex? <laughs> like <laughs> that was my big throughout the movie. Like, wait a minute. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so I was okay within this specific movie. I was like, oh, that's okay. They team because they team up against this other, not literal kaiju, um, who I recognize, and so it's cool to see him or to see that machine, but also good. I didn't have to watch either of these characters, uh, truly, uh, get destroyed. And that's, that's where the trope comes from. I think is like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it really starts in comics, I think. And, and kind of bleeds over into other things where you have these big properties where it's like a lot of people want this team or character to win. A lot of people want this side to win. And, um, it's harder to come down with a definitive like this is the side that won and this is the side that lost, right? Um, because then you're upsetting some people and yeah, y- you might have to kill and a I, character who is a beloved character. Yeah, yeah, I, I do recognize that you know with this kind of story that you know that com- kind of comes with the territory. But I remember like being a kid, being like five or six, and imagining like, what if they did a Batman versus Superman movie? What would that look like? And then I thought in my head, well, what's the reason they'd be fighting? oh, there's got to be, like, some miscommunication or somebody's, like, manipulating them. They fight for a bit, they reconcile, and then they go fight the right. real bad guy. 
I thought of that when I was six years old. Yeah, you're I mean, just staring, staring into your appy juice, like, <laughs> hmm, <laughs> just holding just, it with both hands. I just throw it across the room when I realize <laughs> that Hollywood's not going to do any better than a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but like, really, it is. I mean, that's a thing that is like the exact formula formula that's been used with like, like I think the Avengers do it all the time. Like even in the '60s, sure. like the Avengers and the original X Men. There's a storyline about that and like the Avengers and the D- Defenders, not the Netflix ones. Um, right. And like the 70s probably is when that was. So like, I mean, it's a thing that's been around forever because of the fact that it's hard to it's hard to kill one off one side off or, yeah. you know, however you want to approach it. It just it, everyone I think... remembers when uh, when Storm fought Gamora, mm-hmm. that, that classic run. Beta Ray Bill versus the Human Torch. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on. That would actually be fun. Be good. Beta Ray Bill would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> he had good reason because he's noble. Of course, of course. One of then these days, little girl just swoops in and vaporizes them all. <laughs> I don't know how much I've talked about my love for Beta Ray Bill on the podcast, but one of these days we're gonna get him in an MCU, and uh. I'm just gonna. It's just gonna be my podcast for that episode. Um, <laughs> that'll be our, that'll be our fans or our donors only bonus content. <laughs> is the is Ale, is Tyler's? Uh, it's called it's called Beta Mail, <laughs> where he just talks about Beta Ray Bill a lot. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I was gonna say only hammers, but um, uh, okay. Uh, what do we? <laughs> Got it. Uncomfortable. <laughs> what? <laughs> What do we what do we want to talk about with Kong? Godzilla versus Kong? What other um, things? I wanted to ask I, I, I asked you guys this in person recently, um because we're two thirds vaccinated. Everybody, don't at me. Um <laughs> but and we're in a bubble. Anyway, um where five does, sixths vaccinated. Five sixths. Where does Alexander Skarsgard in, in the ranking of Alexander Skarsgard Tom Hiddleston and Aaron Taylor Johnson, because uh, th- there, there's not really a, a version of that character in King of the Monsters. If there is, it's Kyle Chandler, and he's the best. Mm. <laughs> of, no, I was going to say our, we're we're all in agreement that Kyle Chandler's the best. Yeah, he would be the best <laughs> of the like. I am the leading man, but even King of the Monsters is more of a, an ensemble piece, if you will. Um, and also, Kyle Chandler is not really a military man, right? In right. King of the Monsters, and neither is Alexander Skarsgård really. But they sort of just turn him into a military man by the end of the movie, like he's right, just that, doing the yeah, things that that yeah. character would do. So, of those three, how would we how would we rank them? Because I'm thinking I would go Hiddleston would be my 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 best because I feel like with him there's a very clear look. He this is a role. This isn't really a character. Hiddleston's charming. He's gonna and he's really committed. He's leaning into it. Sure, let's go for it. No big deal. He also and has he's surrounded. Good. Oh well, yeah, I mean, probably to exactly what you're about to say. He he has less screen time because he's got right. so much other cast to work with. Yeah, he's surrounded thing. by this dynamic cast. I would say, and this is just plain personal bias. I would put Johnson last, um, <laughs> but I would put Skarsgård in the middle, leaning towards last because and I actually thought Skarsgård did a decent job in the movie. Um, his character just feels so ind- his character feels like he's only in it because they needed a handsome white guy. And yep. he is that very much. And he's a, he's a good actor. He was in the, uh, Hold the Dark, which I recommended a million years ago. Great in that movie. I, I like Alexander Skarsgård, son of Stellan. But he he doesn't, he just feels so unnecessary to this yeah. movie. Um, 
which again, these are not, you know, tightly const- uh, 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 scripted character pieces, but still, I understand why everybody who's in it is in it. And he feels like, we'd be okay. Um, that said, he has the funniest part of the movie and to me when early in the film, uh, Gia signs that she ca- and calls him a coward. And he's like, oh, what does that mean? Rebecca Hall says, oh, she said, you're very brave. Ha ha. And then much, much later in the movie, he's talking to Gia and he goes, you are very brave. And he does the sign for coward. Mm-hmm. And it's really this great visual because he's really playing it very sweetly and sincerely. And then the subtitles just flash the word coward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Gia signs back at signs like oh you are too or no 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 or she says no you are it's you and he goes well maybe we both are <laughs> like all that i thought was Very genuinely good. funny and nice little I, payoff but that that would be my is it hiddleston yeah. scars guard i atj i would agree with all with that ranking um mostly because i think scars guard it <clears throat> i i felt like overall i liked our group mostly because of um Gia, what was the actress's name again? Haley Cottle. Cottle, okay. So I want because she was great, and I think that. Or to me, to me, Kaylee Hottle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the but with, between her and Skarsgård and Rebecca Hall, I think overall that worked enough for me to be like, okay, I, you know, I like this group sure. of people. The they're not like blasting off the screen at me as yeah. as how much how dynamic they are and how entertaining entertaining they are. Um. But you know they're they're fine, um, and I think with that dynamic they all worked pretty well. Uh, Skarsgård was definitely just like slotting into this this character, this like, yeah, we just need we need somebody to be the leading man. Yeah. He's gonna be a leading man. Um, but I don't think there was anything that like there wasn't really a point where it bothered me that we were focusing on him because right. usually it wasn't just him. Usually there was that connection to the other characters. Um, and trying to put him into a bit more of an ensemble, uh, which is why I would put him over Aaron Taylor Johnson in terms of the characters in this franchise, because he gets so much of his own screen time in mm-hmm. 2014 compared to what we could be spinning. It's it's really not even that much, but compared to what we could be spinning it on in Godzilla sure. 2014, it's like, why? <laughs> How are yeah. what, you, like, it's just so much harder to get invested in that character than I than it was for me for Scarlet. Yeah, and I, and I put that less on Aaron Taylor Johnson than I do on just the way that movie's constructed. Yeah, I don't think any of them are, or either of those two are poor actors. Yeah. It's just like, they're just, you know. <laughs> Hollywood choose, choose people up like that. It is what it is. Yeah. I, I want to like Alexander Skarsgård's character in this. Because um, I, I do feel like they purposely are trying to cast him against type. Yeah. Um. He's kind of he's kind of a dork. Yeah, he he looks like a big strapping like leading man action hero, and we introduce him and he's like the nerd who who is he's the one who's interested in the Hollow Earth theory. Which I was a little bit confused on that because apparently he wrote a book and he's been like sort of put to the side at Monarch or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. everyone's been talking about Hollow Earth since the beginning, so that yeah. continuity wise, that seemed a little wonky. Um. But I, I I just feel like it, it, with when you have a character that that doesn't need to be there that feels extraneous, either take that character out wholesale, or put a character in there that we know and we have at least yeah. seen yeah. in previous movies. Well, there's, they do an interesting thing where you know they he talks about his his brother having 
died, I guess, on a mission involving the the Titans. But then his brother isn't a character we know because I thought, oh, maybe is his is he related to somebody familiar, or is he maybe the son of someone from Skull, Kong Skull Island? Like, I don't know. I think that kind of thing. Then even if I didn't know him, I would know the person he's connected to. Make that Sarasawa's son. Like, have that character. Sure. Like, it, that's so confusing how how sometimes they want to have, like, the, uh, these connections, these, these mm. familial, like, oh, it's getting passed on to the next generation or whatever. And then sometimes it's just like, in the last movie, there were twins or something. Yeah. But the the the... The mother or or not, the parents weren't related to other characters that we've seen before. It's very confusing. Yeah. Well, and, and it's also weird in this because there's a character named Sarazawa, but it's he's it's never mentioned mm-hmm. whether he's related to Kimatsunabe or if he's related, like how he's related to him. Because he's first of all with the bad guys, so that's like if if he was just on the good team and he was like Sarazawa, oh yeah, my uncle or whatever, he'd be like. Oh, sure. Okay. But that he's a bad guy named after the the hero of the previous <laughs> yeah. two movies, that's like a notable thing. So you would think they'd there would be even just a throwaway line about, you know, my father didn't understand or whatever. Yeah. But he just or my grandpa or it just it was such a weird like which would, I don't know if that name was just supposed to be a reference or what. Which would make it even more effective because, and this kind of gets into some other story questions I have that kind of relate to Mechagodzilla. Um, he, if you have him be that character, that Skarsgård's character, um, you can have him be with the team and then like betray them. And that's interesting. That's, that's, sure. that's different. Um, and then you could have, that be like the reveal of Apex's master plan, something like that. Because um, very early on, we realize oh, Apex wants to get the energy from the Hollow Earth. We don't really know what that means. We don't know how they know about that or like why. Well, we know a little bit about how they know about that, but we don't know why they think that's going to work or how they're going to harvest it or like what, what that's going to do. Um, and then it turns out they just needed the energy signature from the hollow earth to power Mechagodzilla or make the connection work. Right. It was vague and it was a little bit too much, even for a big dumb science fiction esque thing, like where they're, they're just kind of like playing with whatever technology they feel like it was still a little bit like, that's all you needed. Um, <laughs> and I think you could have done something more if, if you had a character down there, because instead it's just that random person. And this is another person that you could combine into this character um the random girl that is with them the whole time that is working for apex and then oh isa gonzalez yeah i kong kong squishes her uh you could you could combine another character there (laughs) like you could yeah i feel like that would make more sense um wait she talking about demian bashir's daughter right walter simmons daughter from baby driver yep okay sure just make it (laughs) and also uh Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, there you go. Yeah. For a scene. You're <laughs> and then they put her all over the marketing. You're trusting my knowledge of both Baby Driver and Hobbs and Shaw. Uh <laughs> far too much. Um But yeah, I think you could you could definitely streamline that and have that character take more of a focus, be more interesting and be like, "All right, you're you're bringing in that audience connection and then we're doing something cool with them." Um so, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hate to get into like, oh, they should have done this because this would have been better. But I'm saying I think the script does a lot of things that are very... It feels like the script went through several iterations of things and that in one idea, maybe Sarazala had a lot more going on. Sure. Or the these unknown Sarazala relation. Maybe it's not really. Maybe it's just, you know, he happens yeah. to have the same name. Yeah. Um, Maybe at one point it was Ken Watanami, and then he yeah. died in the last one. They're like, whoops. Um, I don't know. Well, I, it's it's odd. There's a few things about the story that it's like this got a little bloated somewhere. You could have you could have fixed this up a bit. Well, I think there's the the negative reaction to King of the Monsters. I know led to this movie being delayed. Hmm. So I don't know if that meant that they put in a bunch of rewrites, but I also get the feeling that stuff is cut out of the movie. Between that and Lance Reddick, I think yeah. stuff is cut out of the movie. Um, and I do wonder if it was like, get it under two hours. I don't know if, like Justice League, maybe that was a studio mandate. Maybe Adam Wingard just kind of looking at everything was like, nah, I, I, I just want to get this under two hours. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, this feels a lot less cynical than Justice League in yeah. terms of how it's edited. So that's nice. But yeah, I... I there there were changes made at some point. I don't think this is quite what they initially had planned I, out for this film. I get the feeling it was cut for like good re- ultimately good reasons probably. Yeah. Um probably just streamlining the plot. Cuz yeah. I think I I did I, there was a part of me that was feeling like we weren't getting enough big big monster action punching. Um and I think ultimately the movie delivers really well on it during that third act. Um but they could have, I think if they tried to put too much into it, it could have really dragged out, dragged on him and kind of like, all right, this is too much human stuff. Get us, get us back to Kong and Godzilla doing a, doing a fight. Um, and so I, I think that's probably, it was edited more for like a feel. Mm-hmm. And the plot was like, it's Kong versus, or Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> we just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hand wave some stuff. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I would also be I, curious. You, you're talking about the idea of, Godzilla being Mechagodzilla in disguise. I think it could be interesting, mostly because it and again, not not to do the thing you were just talking about avoiding, but Godzilla or King Kong punches Godzilla in the face a couple of times and every time is awesome. Mm-hmm. But if he'd <laughs> punched him really hard and then Godzilla looked up and then his <laughs> eye was like a, he had like a robot cyborg Superman yeah. half face, that would be pretty, pretty cool. Good. However, um, uh I wouldn't want to uh impact that first punch Kong throws Godzilla oh because it's it's real good. It is so good it's when good. God, when Kong just slugs him in the face. Yeah. It is such a great moment. Yeah, that whole fight on the uh on the the ocean with the line is so great. There's this boats getting smashed in half and there's a few great like wide shots against the sun and everything mm-hmm. of both uh monsters. It's it's just so good. And I love watching Kong with a nuclear axe just hack mm-hmm. Mechagodzilla's head off. Yeah. And that manages to feel like a character moment. It's not as much as I am inevitable and I am Iron Man. Not That's not that. But it's... It's not far off, though. <laughs> but, but, it, but it leans more in that direction than just, oh, this is awesome. Like, this moment of Kong who is, for all intents and purposes, been the underdog of the movie. Right. He's just like holding Mechagodzilla's head above his his own head and just bellowing, which is why I kind of like that he gets 
the nuclear axe because for a while there i was like are we are we arming king kong and i went well right because otherwise there's no way he would win right like the movie does a nice job of setting up like he doesn't have he's going to die if he just uses his punching yep um and then they like he doesn't have sharp teeth like godzilla does like he just can't breathe radioactive breath and everything yeah so then he gets this amazing axe uh i i love how that that fight with godzilla in hong kong feels like we are watching Kong as if we are watching a player play a boss battle in a video game <laughs> because he's, sure. he's jumping around the, the laser beam and trying to get uh, across skyscrapers and things. And, and he's struggling and trying to find ways to use the environment to his advantage. And, and really, it really is an uphill battle. Um, but the, yeah, ju- giving him the ax, I think makes it such a cool, uh, extra layer and whoever came up with that idea uh it, it has all my love because <laughs> yeah. yeah when every time great. he loses the axe in the fight you're like oh no yeah <laughs> oh no yeah um <laughs> and there's a couple of points where kong looks over and sees the axe and he's like i gotta get to it mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just so so satisfying um and i really liked how mecha godzilla is one of these robots where essentially every plate on him is uh, a hatch that houses more missile launching <laughs> ability. Like that's kind of Mechagodzilla in the old movies. He was a little more specialized. Like he had laser eyes. He had um finger. His fingers were missiles that he mm-hmm. could shoot off. Mm-hmm. His tail was probably like a drill or something. Like it was all these little like inspector gadget uh things. And I like this one's just, well, all of that. And also laser breath and body missile. <laughs> Like this movie does a nice job of, of the impact of everything. Like you see Godzilla's claws raking over Kong's chest and you really feel the impact of the missiles hitting people and the ax like burying itself in. Didn't he like get Godzilla in the shoulder or something? I feel like the ax gets embedded in somebody. Maybe Kong. No, maybe it's Kong gets bitten on the shoulder or something. I don't know. It's been a few days. Hmm. I think you're. I think it is Kong getting yeah. bitten. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because because he 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 has to like smash his shoulder against a <laughs> building to get it back into place. That's it. Yes. Pretty good. Which is pretty great. Uh, and that and the stuff with Mechagodzilla fighting both of them is is also yeah awesome. Um, and and the way that it plays it, where it's like, oh, maybe they can both take him on, and then it it keeps coming up. I mean, kind of like what you're saying. It keeps coming up with new tricks to yeah. Uh, you know that it's it's just when they think they have it down, it'll use its tail uh, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I and there's like this constant, I think, feeling of dread for Kong because Kong has been so beaten up that you're like, oh god. And and it, that is also something that I thought they might do is have Kong sacrifice himself to help kill Mechagodzilla right. um, at the end, even if he j- wasn't killed by Godzilla. Uh, so yeah, I was. Uh, uh, I think that all was very effectively done. All the fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that after that last fight, Godzilla and Kong just kind of look at each other and Godzilla's like, all right. And then just walks <laughs> into the ocean. Fella. So I, I had a thought during the, the opening sort of text, the opening montage over the, the credits, they, sh- they were showing little clips from the previous movies of like, uh, Kong killing the yeah. Skullcrawler and Godzilla killing the Mudos. But then they kind of have like a bracket 
uh-huh. system and how they've each killed these monsters. Does that mean that Godzilla has killed the other Titans from King of the Monsters? So like the Mastodon thing and Rodan and oh, all that's those what others? I was confused about as well. Yeah. Um, particularly because they, they say like, why else would Godzilla be hunting Kong? Who's just on this Island. If he's not just hunting down literally every Mudo that's around. Right. Because I was, I was like, that's kind of annoying because I liked the idea of Rodan in general and these other monsters. Like, I want to see these other monsters. What do they look like? And then going, I, oh, they're all just gone. I thought there was a line where they said they'd all kind of just faded, like gone back underground. Okay. I could okay. be now, wrong. But the, I, I but guess defeated doesn't. still doesn't establish why he's going around. Like, why, why is he so threatened by Kong then? They explain that Kong actively hunting them down. They explain that Kong's also an alpha. They they okay. say that Kong would all like like Ghidorah like that would also trigger Kong or trigger Godzilla's I gotta kill him. Sense. Well, if yeah, somebody uh, was watching the movie with subtitles and paying attention, then they probably <laughs> know, and they're probably screaming into their headphones right now. So, eh. well, I guess because at the beginning it kept showing all the monsters with the word defeated over them. That could defeated doesn't have to mean killed. I also don't. I mean, Kong hasn't fought that many monsters at least that we've seen and i think every time they show any of the defeats it's one that was in a previous movie right, right. so i think that was just a stylistic thing i don't think that was supposed to be okay, like okay each of them has faced exactly 64 other monsters sure <laughs> no 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 robs. ken watanabe like when he first started he's like all right bracket a bracket b let's <laughs> hey, see we'll, how this goes we'll let them fight let them fight let them fight <laughs> He has I, to and, say and that, that could, every time. Too yeah. Man, I used to love when he said that little Sarah saw will let them fight action. And, and Sally like Hawkins Whitford is just like, I don't, I don't understand why, why does he keep saying? Also, she gets killed off in the last movie, and we mm-hmm. didn't talk about that yeah. because it's like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Well, except for Kim Watanabe's performance, who is he's very mournful of her. He keeps mm-hmm. looking at like a picture of her and being sad because he's a great actor, and it was in the yeah. script. <laughs> and taking his glasses off to be sad and putting them back on again to be concerned and then taking them off again to be dismayed but putting them back on again because it's serious time i love him so much it's pretty good my mom used to say that john cleese is one of the best actors at looking up from a desk and mm-hmm. i think that's true of ken watanabe and taking off and putting on glasses i buy that i'm here for that <laughs> uh i had a thought um about the final fight that I, I was curious if this occurred to either of you. Uh, I thought it was kind of a shame that, especially since all the neon is, is very much just the stylized city. It, it, I don't think it really is supposed to have much relation to actual Hong Kong. Um, I thought it was kind of a shame that it wasn't in Tokyo. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that was an odd choice to, to take it there instead of just having it be like, yeah, you know, we're 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 coming back yeah. to roots, to franchise roots because we haven't really dealt with Tokyo except for I guess the beginning of Godzilla 2014 has some. Um my theory is international market. And is and that, that was also what I was thinking. Um, yeah. But which yeah. is which is a shame, but like that was I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, that's that's the other big market you have to play to right now, so maybe that's That's yeah. why Tilda Swinton was in the movie. <laughs> um Oh, she would actually be really great in one of these. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I, I, I that, that that's my only theory as to why they didn't go with with Hong Kong. Speaking of or excuse me, with Tokyo, why characters who would have been great in the movie and why they didn't go with things. Uh, 
we we joked about this, but seriously, why is Charles Dance not in this? And is it because he genuinely just didn't want to? <laughs> it's got to be that because there's otherwise no reason for the character. For Damian Bashir is a great actor. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Academy Award nominee, great. But and he's essentially playing Maxwell Lord's like lesser cousin mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from One Woman Eighty Four. But he's. He's good in it, but there's no reason that character can't be Charles Dance. Yeah. Um, Which would be great to have Charles Dance uh, blown apart or eaten or whatever by Mechagodzilla. <laughs> yeah. That would be uh, pretty good. But before he's like, well, hang on, maybe I'll just send you to the wall and you won't have to be. <laughs> he's trying to like reason with Mechagodzilla, who shoots a, a laser into its chest through however many times. <laughs> Stop being foolish. <laughs> Oh, are you going to say something clever? Yeah, say something clever. He's like skinning a, one of the like psychodactyls or whatever. I like, I like that idea. I like that the idea that Charles Dance figured out how to get to the Hollow Earth and went down there and he's just, he's living it up. <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> I am the alpha now. That's that. That's the sequel. It's Kong versus Godzilla dance battle, <laughs> and it's literally Charles Dance. Well, one thing I did want to ask about regarding Charles Dance: Were there two Ghidorah heads at the end of No King of the Monsters, he, or was it just, just gets, the one? He gets the one. What happened to Charles Dance? I don't know. <laughs> How would he get away? <laughs> <laughs> Charles Dance was actually curled up in the ball. Uh, that was that the ball that Brian Tyree Henry saw that ended up being Mechagodzilla's yeah. eye. Car- Charles Dance was curled up in that the whole time. Okay. <laughs> he had say... entered dance sleep. Yes. <laughs> you have to look really carefully, but that skull crusher that they genetically modified, they used it, they created it, combining it with Charles Dance DNA or ah. DNA. And he comes out. You look very closely, it's they superimpose Charles Dance's eyes into the skull crawler. <laughs> He is one of the. He is maybe the most under wide, most widely underutilized great actor. I am. I am more and more convinced that he just does not do yeah. anything he doesn't want to do. That he's just yeah. like I. I make money from this. That's, yeah, really. That's all I need. I still. Lo- I watched an interview with him talking about Witcher Three because he he voices one of the characters in that, and mm-hmm. he says like he was talking about how the story is more complex and layered and interesting and political than he was expecting but he says you know not from what i was what you would think of with video games <laughs> and he says it with but with this kind of delight not with a sense of like Ugh, tetris but like a sense of like i don't know but it's kind of cool it's a whole new world <laughs> he's he's magnificent you're telling me mario is 3d now <laughs> so <laughs> I thought well, he was paper this whole paper. time. <laughs> so Tyler, you're telling me based on this philosophy that we've established for Charles mm-hmm. Dance and how he chooses his projects, he said specifically, I will be in the second Godzilla movie, but God help you if you put me in the I, script for <laughs> Godzilla I, versus Kong. I think he was recruited for the second movie. He was like, all right, it's like 20 minutes of screen time. They gave him that. They were like, all right, we're going to film this, this after credits thing. And he was like, okay. And then uh, they went to go film the the film Godzilla versus Kong, and they were like, "Hey, so yeah, you know, we're we're 
ready for you to come back. Like we have this option in your contract, you know, like we want to get you back on set and uh, we have some, some fun stuff for you. Uh, we think you're going to enjoy it. He's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm good. And they're like, well, it's kind of, we set you up. It would be, it would be great if you, <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> he, um, he has 154 acting credits on IMDb. And uh, how many? Inclu- oh, including an, a, a half hour animated thing called Master Moly, where he plays Mr. James Moly. <laughs> did, he's he, a mole. did he turn out Godzilla vs. Kong for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's Moly Day. I can't. Uh, I, I so would, there's a toe jam and an earl. I would genuinely. <laughs> the things you invent. <laughs> I would genuinely be fascinated to see. Uh, how many of these roles he has been in more than 20 minutes of the film or like more like that 20 yeah. to 25 minute range. Uh, Cause they, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, maybe the point isn't so much that as it is uh, like half, like he can't be in more than half the movie because mm, in alien sure. three and game of, or half the, the project, I should say, because in game of Thrones right. and in alien three, both of those, they kill him off. Like, right at the halfway mark something like that right uh so you know he um he's in johnny english strikes again and if there are three of those (laughs) this is going to be our next uh project for here come the sequels we're going to review all of charles dance's filmography so that we can do this deep dive on if he's ever actually in anything (laughs) uh for longer than uh a, a very small percentage Yep, that's right. I can't wa- wait to watch Patrick Evil Awakens. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be my whole. That's my whole week right now. <laughs> Just looking at Charles Dance's IMDb. One thing that I I found extraordinarily uh, both minuscule and frustrating was the line reveal of calling it Mechagodzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, Britain. So you're on my side about this, because Tyler, I think you'll actually love. No, I, I am flat nettle. I am because okay. on the one hand, I did think it was totally forced and silly. On the other hand, what else am I asking for right. in this movie? Well, no, for me, it's not so much that. It's it's the thing that they did in Man of Steel, where then other characters later on start referring to it as Mecha Godzilla, and they oh, weren't sure. there for that conversation. I'm like. This doesn't make any sense. Everyone's just calling it Mecha Godzilla for kicks, I guess. Yeah, at least with Man know. of Steel, you could argue like maybe Lois wrote a written article calling him Superman, and we never. Or heard, maybe found some of the military guys in the other room. Maybe they yeah. started spreading. Maybe they heard kind of what she said, and it spread really fast. Yeah, this, this is literally nothing. This doesn't make any sense, and I'm happy with it. <laughs> just because <laughs> the line delivery, which we should clarify, is. Um, Brian Tyree Henry saying uh, Robo Godzilla and then Julian Dennison is that his name mm-hmm. is like no or is it the other way around one yeah, of, yeah. One no, of them Julian Dennison goes no that's Mecha Godzilla <laughs> yeah and it's great it zooms in on his face and everything it's pretty good it's pretty good <laughs> I- I'm just happy that I found him much less annoying than I did in Deadpool 2 sure and it might just be because he had a reduced role, or it might just be that I don't the, know. The Deadpool movie is better. Two sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the unrated version of that is better. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about was um, in terms of like continuity between the previous films, because I, I was. I thought it was weird how we just have a 50 year jump between Skull Island and this. It's weird that we don't go back to Kong during any of that. Sure. So I, I was a little bit confused on the timeline because, you know, they mentioned that Gia is from kind of the native culture from Skull Island, and they all got wiped out by the storm. So I guess the idea is that at some point the storm got worse and started, mm-hmm. like, destroying parts of the island, and then after that they built the giant cage for Kong? Yes. Okay. Do they ever I... explain, like, is there a reason for the storm? Did I miss... Anything? No, I okay. I I, I didn't catch it. I Maybe mean, the storm happened and did a thing when Godzilla came back to fight the Mudos, and that's I don't know. That yeah, that, that just seemed like it. It seemed like such a weird thing to to like very quickly like shift the status quo for where Kong yeah. is versus it, where he was the last movie. And it also is a shame because we we really praised in Skull Island how that that culture was like. There were a lot of little details that really made the the native culture come to life and, and made that a really interesting right. community. Yeah. Um, would have been nice to get more out of that. Obviously, we do get their last survivor doing a lot of cool stuff with Kong, but I I think that is kind of yeah. like eh, I I don't I don't love that you hand wave that away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I don't know, like, um, it's it's not perfect in terms of, like, the continuity bits and, and, like, you know, having everything, like, the status quo set up between each movie is kind of rocky in some places, but I, I still got to praise it far and away. Like, it, 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 this universe feels so much more cohesive than so many other attempts at doing this. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think so much of that comes from, like, it's just not that complicated. <laughs> like, yes. they just don't try to... Like, these movies don't bite off more than they can chew in terms of lore and explanation. And, like, I think it's because we all go into these movies expecting things to not make sense. We're like, oh, that kind of made sense. All right, sure. And we're willing to accept it when it... And because, like, the movies build up that trust by giving us things that basically make sense, when they don't, we're able to accept it as, like, "Eh, that's a Godzilla movie. (laughs) It's okay. It makes enough sense. Um Whereas you look at some of these others where they try to build too much of a world in the first movie and there's too much like sequel baiting and they, they overdo sure. everything. And this one, they were like, we made a Godzilla movie and then we made a Kong movie. We made a other Godzilla movie and now they're going to fight each other. Yeah. It's just very like, there's not or, a whole or, lot we have to do. Yeah. Or or even like um, the Transformers movies come to mind where literally every movie they are retconning what the history is of right. the Transformers yeah. on Earth and what the origins of the Transformers are in the first place. Because the first one's the cube. The second one is, no, we've actually been here before in ancient, like very ancient times. And, and for some reason, our MacGuffins in the pyramids. The third one is, no, the moon landing, we were there. <laughs> uh, fourth one is, uh, no, we were back during the dinosaurs. And then the fifth one is... I don't even remember. We were hanging out with King Arthur or something. Or, uh, yeah, right. But but like with this, it's just like, no, there's a hollow earth. The monsters have been here for a while and now they're back. Yeah. Or the... Very uh, straightforward. The X-Men movies. 
I feel like is another one where it's like, sure. like they start overcomplicating things by dipping into like, oh, we're you know we're getting into time travel, we're doing yeah, some kind of we're recasting people, we're doing all this crazy stuff, and they they let a lot of the details slip so that it doesn't actually feel all that cohesive, yeah, because they kind of trust that oh well, we can kind of redo things and uh you know just just start over and and do our own thing, um and it feels like they kind of lose track of what they want to do movie to movie, um. Which I guess this is, it's early. It's early for this uh, monster franchise thing. And I'll be curious to see how far along it gets. Um, it'd be cool if Santa Kong does, I don't know. No, Adam Wingard is, is also doing that, right? Supposedly, yeah. Um, it'd be cool if that is really successful after theaters hopefully kind of get yeah. to a semblance of where they were. Um, if that's like a, oh, okay, everyone's now watched Godzilla versus Kong, so now they're caught up and they want to see what's happening here. Um because I would like to see them do more with this. And I'm I'm curious yeah. if uh we'll we'll get that um yeah. to any large extent. I think part of the key is for the most part they've got the same writer. They have Max Borenstein, who's you know, he's collaborating with a bunch of different people, but he is he's been on here since the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I think it really helps that you kind of have that one continuing voice in the writer's room going Oh, here's what we did in the last movie. How do we yeah. connect it? You know, he's so even we're able to switch up the director each movie, which kind of feeds into to me liking how each one feels so stylistically different. But you still got that that one voice going. Okay, we know what the story is. We know what's happened before. We're not just forgetting that stuff. Here's we're, yeah. we're you know gonna make it all work together. I, I do have one last point I wanted to talk about. Um as kind of a, a quibble kind of going along with the director changes. Um, it really bothered me in this one, not anything that this one did wrong, but that King of the monsters went so hard on the destruction. We talked about it in the last episode. Um, but I feel like the impact of watching Kong and Godzilla fight in the city could have been a lot stronger. Um, but it was like, well, we already saw like all of the world's major major population centers get completely wrecked in the last movie, <laughs> like almost off screen. Right. Um, yeah. And and things were so kind of weightless in, the, in King of the Monsters in a lot of ways in terms of the fights. Um, so it kind of frustrated me that we didn't go from Godzilla 2014 to Godzilla versus Kong and get that kind of escalation of oh wow no things are are yeah. really dire because this is uh you know when when these two guys are like top of their food chain and they're fighting like they just are gonna wreck everything and then you introduce mechagodzilla um it bothered me that we hadn't really gotten the the escalation of that and instead we went kind of too far and had to dial it back um so that this ends up like i said feeling more like a healthy middle than it does feel like oh this is the next step and now we've got all the you know these three different quote-unquote kaijus and they're going at each other and it's insane um so that kind of bothered me a little it would be kind of cool if son of kong i'm assuming son of kong would take place largely in hollow earth because that's where kong ends up and that would be kind of cool if we got another skull island kind of situation where it's like we can just do crazy monsters and yeah and that would be a neat way to either if you're going to use the new kaiju from king of the monsters to kind of delve into them a little bit more or to bring back some of the old guard um, I just want to see Manda, who's a giant snake. Um, <laughs> you have you have a little room to do that stuff. 
and uh, that could be pretty cool. And maybe there's like a ring they have to destroy. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> maybe someone's sleepless in Seattle. I don't know how movies get made. Uh, <laughs> do we want to do letter grades now? Yeah. Is there a big fish somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's the end of the movie is Son of Kong. He's carrying King Kong into the ocean. Uh, and, and then because he doesn't believe Godzilla's real and all the monsters and like Sam Jackson and everybody that Kong has known throughout his life are there to say goodbye. And Son of Kong's like, wow, it, uh, they were all true. Godzilla, Samuel L. Jackson, all of it. <laughs> uh, I'm going B plus. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think there's a lot of this that really appeals to me. And in terms of the movie, knowing what it is um, and giving the audience what it wants, uh, I think it does a very good job. Yeah. I'm also going to do B plus. Um, I, I, I really think that whenever I watch it again, I don't know that my opinion will change. I think it will just like thicken, like I'll get a more mm-hmm. enthusiastic version of what I already feel. Um, Cause yeah, I definitely liked it. I think it does. I think it does a very good job. And I think B plus has kind of been my like average for these movies, more or less. I mean, I think I've done that grade more than any other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to the Peter Jackson, King Kong, sure. had three B pluses since then. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that feels pretty, pretty accurate to how I feel about these movies. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be the downer. I'm going to give it a C plus, which is the same kind of grade that I gave, uh, the 2014 Godzilla. Um, I thought that with Skull Island and King of the Monsters, we were finally starting to hit at least what my sweet spot would be in terms of balancing the human stuff to get invested in with the big monsters punching each other. Um, And then this one, while the monsters punching each other was was still fun, the the story fell flat for the most part to me. Um, Despite having some good elements, it's just, eh, it, it needed some work. Um... And, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to then build up for a uh, an Avengers type team of, of <laughs> monsters. Like I said, I don't know if the if the next team up's going to be Godzilla and Kong fighting back to back against a whole bunch of an army of evil monsters or, or what the plan <laughs> is. But uh, let's work on that they script were... maybe a little bit more. Who? So Warner Brothers is no. Is Warner Brothers yeah, in Warner charge Brothers. of this? Who's yep. in charge of Transformers? Uh, Paramount. I feel like Hasbro. I feel like they should work together. I feel like they should get a little MCU Spider-Man deal going on and be like, I want I want to see I want to see Godzilla fighting the Destroyer or whatever. See, you say that they've got they have their other franchise right there. They have Pacific Rim. That is a oh, Warner yeah. Brothers property. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the, the second one kind of dampened. I have not seen the second one, but I guess that kind of dampened enthusiasm. I don't really know. Yeah, I didn't see it either, which is crazy because I love the first one. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1995, Godzilla fought a guy called Destroya, who killed him. So that could be something as well. There you go. (laughs) Um, And he was like, this is crazy. uh, I don't even know how to describe him. He was crazy. And then you can have the inevitable follow-up, Godzilla goes to hell. (laughs) Where it's him and... uh, And this is where Godzilla can talk. Yeah. (laughs) It's him and Jason of where he's, you can talk, you can talk. You need to have one that's called Godzilla: The Final Fight, mm-hmm. yeah, and then four sequels to follow. <clears throat> well, and then 
we'll do Song of Kong, but we really need the companion piece to this film. Kong Tomahawk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if you had a, a, a Godzilla movie or a Kong movie or whatever where it's Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins like running around a lab together trying to figure out how to solve the problem. And then Patrick Ugh. Wilson's like he he's your your generic army guy who's going out and doing the actual legwork. I think oh we got God. something here. Pretty I think good. we got Christmas Chronicles three dudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. I'm gonna go first with recommendations because I have an honest to God movie recommendation this week, and I don't think either of you have the same recommendation, but I will refuse to let you steal it if you do. I doubt um, that you have mine. <laughs> cool. Uh, it is whatever Britain's made. Uh, first of all, I did watch Promising Young Woman, uh, previous Alex recommendation. Finally got around to that and have been on my list for a while. Pretty good. Um, not Maybe not my uh, preferred tone in a film. Mm. Like just, I think, on a preference thing. It's, it's a fairly grim movie, and I don't think I really like connected with it. Um, there's a lot of cool visual stuff going on there that I think I I had not really been expecting. Um, and I think it also did solidify me as being happy with um, Frances McDormand winning uh, mm. the Best Actress one, just because, not because Carrie Mulligan is bad, she's very good in it, um, but it is kind of an all-over-the-place uh, performance, not in terms of her, but in terms of what is written for her. There's a lot of, like... Yeah. jumping around between kind of how she's uh presenting herself and i feel like some sometimes it gets it, i feel like the movie really like almost like what you were saying britain with um margot robbie and mm. uh birds of prey i feel gotcha. like there's there's a little gotcha. bit there where it's like it's almost manic and and so i feel like it's hard to really get like the full uh grasp of what she's doing um so anyway Thoughts on that? Uh, overall, I liked it. I think that was. I think it was neat. Um, but my actual recommendation this week is much more lighthearted. Uh, it is a movie called The Mitchells versus the Machines, which uh, uh, yeah, the the cat's probably out of the bag on this by now. I think a lot of people, it sounds like, are starting to really like watch it. I think it's pretty acclaimed on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I had actually had my eye on it for a long time because the director is Michael Randa, who was a big creative force on Gravity Falls. Um, oh. as well as I think the co-writer and maybe he had been like a producer as well um, is uh, Jeff Rowe, who also was a Gravity Falls alum. And I think there's some animators and people that had kind of come up, come over um, from that show. And Gravity Falls is a show I absolutely adore. And I probably found a way to talk about it before. I don't know. Um, on this podcast. Uh, it's very similar humor wise to that. The Mitchells versus the Machines is. Um and so if if you have if you enjoy gravity falls at all then absolutely it's a movie you should watch um but yeah it, it is really heartfelt um super fun super delightful the the animation is gorgeous uh it's it's very stylized and i've seen a lot of people saying and i agree with this that like it's probably the the best animation in an animated movie since into the spider-verse um and i would i would agree with that like i think it's there's so much uh heart and kind of like energy poured into it there it's it's three and it's a really great looking style that also has a lot of crazy 2d stuff going on like there's lots of little visual mm. flares um because it's supposed to be the main character she's writing in her journal 
or drawing in her journal. So she's drawing random art pieces and stuff. And, and there's all sorts of craziness going on. Um, and it's, it's a movie about like a million different things and it does them all really well. Um, very heartwarming movie. Uh, it's, it's all about family and like, just, I don't know. There, there's a lot in it that I don't want to get too much into other than just saying, trust me, it's very powerful. Um, it gets the internet more than I think <laughs> any movie I've watched. Uh, the, the plot of the movie is that a, uh, like tech startup social media thing, um, tries to create a personal robot assistant for people. And then all the robot assistants rise up, uh, and try to, in, to capture everyone. Um, much like Terminator Genesis, you know, it's the same, same <laughs> idea. Um, but it does that in a way, and, and there's a lot of fun gags, kind of both from the side of, like, the internet is terrible, and also, like, there are good things that you can do with the internet um, that make it a lot more... You you can tell the people who made the movie actually spend time on the internet <laughs> and on social media right. and, like, are, are plugged into how people use the internet as opposed to, like, a, a Ralph Breaks the Internet or something like that, which I felt was a little sure. bit more... Oh, we're, you know, we're doing lip service to things people talk about on the internet without really diving into anything. Um, yeah. It's not like political, but it does actually talk about like, Oh wow. <laughs> tech startups. A lot of the time are bad um, or are unethical. I should say. Um, so there's, there's a lot of fun stuff there. It's a hilarious movie. It's a super fun movie. I've talked about it too long. I, I would, I would hardly recommend to anyone. Um, I, you don't, you don't need kids for it. I have a kid, but he only watched, 20 minutes of it and then had to go to bed um, and watched is a very loose term because he's eight months old. So yeah, he kept demanding, show me promising young woman. <laughs> I know you're holding out on the good stuff. You coward. I, um, I have heard in the, I, I saw that it had come out and I was like, Oh, okay, sure. And then in the space of like a day, both my dear friend, Logan from the marketers cut podcast and the author, Brad Meltzer, who has written some kids' books oh, I really well. love and, and various books. He's a mm -hmm. really talented writer. He's done posting, uh, some Justice League comics. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Which is and he's, I believe. He posted about it and, and on Instagram, and both of them were like, this is incredible. Like, really, you guys got to see this. And, you know, <clears throat> uh, Logan's a very positive person when it comes to movies in general. But he even for him, he was like, Britain, I am not. You have got to watch this movie. So I am absolutely going to get on it soon because I've heard nothing but good things and it makes me feel good. So uh, two questions for you <clears throat> quick. What's the name of the movie again? The Mitchells versus the machines. It's on okay. Netflix. Okay. That's how you watched it. The one, the one streaming service I don't have. <laughs> Cecilia might, might dig it though. I mean, yeah, I'll work on it. I'll, <laughs> I think uh Lord and Miller have something to do with it. They produced They're, it yeah, or something. That makes sense. Do they have a company? I think maybe they, uh, by now they do I a thing. Because, yeah, that, I mean, they produced it. I don't know. I think it's like specifically they. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they're well, but yeah. Yeah. Their names yeah, keep it's called Release Our Cut of Solo Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, do you have a recommendation? Uh, kind of. All right. So. Uh, I started watching Invincible. I'm like mm -hmm. three episodes in. It's awesome. Everyone knows it's awesome. Whatever. I'm going to put that to the side. Uh, Featuring Cecilia Academy I, Award nominee Stephen Young. Yes. And a lot of other people. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Just like it's great on Amazon because you pause a scene and it gives you the acting credits in the scene. Yep. So mm. just like I recognize that voice. Oh, it's them. <laughs> yeah. There's like so, ten Walking Dead alumni on that, which is great. Yep. Yep. Um. So setting that off to the side. Once I finish it, I might make that my actual recommendation. But it's really good if you like superhero stuff and. It's got this weird counterbalance between like super lighthearted superhero, like Sam Raimi, Spider-Man kind of flair. And then it just goes as violent as the boys. So like, I would recommend watching the first episode and particularly like the last five minutes to see if you can stomach the violence. Um, It is animated, but if you can get through that first episode, you'll probably be fine. But like I said, I'm not even halfway through the season. So Um, my actual recommendation is going to be very dated. Um, Cecilia and I went to a special screening, uh, specifically AMC's doing a 10 year anniversary screening of Scott Pilgrim vs. the world with their special Dolby special picture and sound auditoriums. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. That's yeah, a good movie. Um, it, it, specifically like the sound quality. Um, cause the, the opening of the movie, like the opening titles is, is, um, Scott Pilgrim's band playing, and it's just like, it was very impressive, and like I, I don't know, it, it was it was a very delightful experience. And and if if people want to go back to the theater, I I would recommend that that's where they should start. Um, it probably won't be in theaters long. I don't know. And then it's only in areas I would assume where AMC is is the the provider. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's a good um, one. And it, it was really cool because I, I didn't see it in the theater and I, apparently nobody did because it bombed horribly. Um, <laughs> but it, it was truly like jaw dropping. Like it was very, very impressive. Wow. Like I, I have not been wowed by a theater. And I, I did continue to go to the theater during the pandemic every once in a while. So it, it I don't I don't quite have the kind of rush of, oh, I'm like back in the cinema that a lot of people do. But that was like I've not been impressed by a theatrical experience like that in a long time. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I like that movie. Um, so my recommendation, I I recently watched. This is not my recommendation, but to lead into it, I watched Mortal Kombat, uh, the new one, which I enjoyed. I haven't played the games, but if you if you don't go into it looking for like crisp storytelling and beautiful <laughs> acting you just want to see creative over-the-top violence i think it'll be pretty happy um there there are some some clever kills that i i quite enjoyed and i had a good time watching it um but that got me thinking about um other like video game movies and like because mortal Kombat, this one to me isn't like a full-on a full force good bad movie so I am going to recommend one of my favorite good bad movies, 1994's Double Dragon. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I am going to utilize the chat function of our Skype here, just drop a little image to my friends. Oh my. Um I'd say we're friends at this point, not just co-hosts. <laughs> um the film so so the movie's about these two brothers played by Scott Wolf and Mark Dacascos. Uh, Mark Dacascos was the bad guy, I think, in like the the heavy in the second season of Agents of Shield. Very gifted mm-hmm. martial arts uh, performer, and they're in the '90s and they're fighting a bad guy. And the bad guy is played by Robert Patrick, who 
has a look in the film uh, okay. that I quite enjoyed. Um, <laughs> I would just like to say for the audience at home that Robert Patrick's face uh, jumped up real big on the screen just now. Uh, apparently that's how Skype handles chat. It just like covered Burton's face. <laughs> <was just> like... <laughs> I am I am become Robert Patrick. Uh, it is a wonderfully silly, dumb... 90s movie everything's acid wash jeans huge puffy long sleeved shirts that are tucked in just to try to contain all the air um goofy hair uh the two main brothers have this ridiculous handshake high five thing they do um Alyssa milano is in it not the most 90s actress but a pretty 90s actress sure. <laughs> uh, that would probably be like nev campbell um but i just have a lot of fun when i watch it it's it's so goofy and and just it just makes me happy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it both reminds me of movies when I was growing up, but also is really dumb. Yeah, uh, and you, you know it's an it, it's what people in the early '90s thought computers would look like in the future, and what punks looked like then. <laughs> so it's just complete nonsense, and it is streaming on Amazon Prime. So. After you've watched Mitchell's versus the Machines and Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim versus the World, uh, and and promising young woman and all of this art, if you want to check out Double Dragon, I did notice that just now that Tyler and I both recommended stuff with verses in the title, and that's that's interesting. Oh wow! And oh, and it's a verses that we did on the the show Definitely, today. Uh, not on or on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say I think Mitchell's versus the machines is probably, uh, unfortunately, I do think it's better than Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably like, see, I can't say it's my favorite movie of twenty twenty one so far because Nomadland sure. is like technically a twenty twenty one movie. I don't know. Also, yeah, the but Snyder it's, cut. it's in this. It's in the season. The, of... the Snyder cut. It would be. It would be a good toss up for for me. Yeah. <laughs> I always consider it as like once the Oscar nom Oscars deadline is done that's when the next wave mm-hmm. the season is like oscars to oscars for me i know that's so. what i was kind of thinking of is like of the of the two movies i've seen that qualify for the next right. oscars uh this would yeah. be the the, the the first one well well, th- well out of yeah snyder cut godzilla v kong but and what, mitchell's v oh, machines. Was, was snyder cut not a i would say snyder i would say snyder cut ultimately qualifies as a 2021 release because i think also you know, Madland th- played some festivals in 2020. It just didn't go wide right. until. But when did it qualify for? I think in 2020. No, no. When did uh? Oh. Or when when did the qualifier end for the last Oscars? Uh, end of February or January, okay. I think. Look, I think they should retroactively go back and give the Snyder Cut Oscar consideration for the last four years because <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That's true. Sorry, Green Book. Gotta pay that interest. <laughs> I mean, I can what? tell you right now, having not seen Green Book, the Snyder Cut is a better movie than I've Green Book. Same, I what, have the same feeling. What year was Green Book? 2018. Oh, I'm, I, I'm okay with officially... <laughs> <laughs> the Snyder Cut, the 2018 Best Picture Award. Over <laughs> Before Parasite, there was the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, talking of years and stuff, uh, next year, next year, 
we're we're taking a break, everybody. <laughs> um, no, next week we are we are hopping in our in our own little time machine. We are going all the way back to dear God, almost a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. um, to 1933. We're going to watch the original King Kong. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting, very different kind of movie than what we normally do, and I'm really excited to see because I've never seen it. I'm excited to see what uh, what we have in store. And if you want to catch that episode, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, other things, probably. Um, go find us. Please do. We... <laughs> we're very lost. We're, we're so guys I, I don't know I'm, I'm eating lichen and hoping it's it's safe we're in the hollow earth we're that is the, the internet <laughs> we're in the internet hollow earth that winged snake kong swung into a other winged snake was my uncle <laughs> <laughs> i've been tyler hey i've been britain i've been alex You're having a good night.